And you're welcome to Wade In as we all sit here and scratch our heads wondering who the hell this horse is that's just won the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. A bet for SP of 139 to 1. Not even the horse's own mother managed to give him a chance to win the race. Kevin Blake, how are you? <laughs> excellent, Hugh. Excellent, Hugh. He's still, still coming down from one of the, the great weekends of, of racing. Uh, it, was, it was fantastic. Absolutely mad, but fantastic. It looked it. It looked it all right. Um, we'll get into the arc winner in just a few minutes with Mr. Nick Lightfoot as well. Nick, how are you? Yeah, really, really good. Um, absolutely love this time of year. Yeah, the arc, I mean, it was a hell of a race. We're going to talk about it. Second, third, mm. and fourth. You weren't going to be arguing with them. And fair play to anyone who found that German winner. Um, yeah. I didn't. Neither did I. Torquato Tasso. We remember that name. Because nobody knew before Rose the race, I can tell you that much. Listen, before we get into the arc weekend, lads, um, we have a massive National Hunt seasonal preview with the man himself, Paul Nichols, on all Betfair channels tonight from 7 o'clock. So wherever you normally watch your videos, Twitter, um, Facebook, YouTube, etc., uh, tune in 7 o'clock tonight. Kevin Blake was welcomed with open arms to see all the horses, the great and the good, ahead of the new season at Ditchit. Kevin, um, yeah, we're looking forward to this, I have to say. Obviously, Paul Nichols has some crackers there. What kind of form is he in? Well, I'd say I was welcomed with arms, not necessarily open arms, but it was, no, it was great, actually, it was great, yeah. Uh, spent a lovely morning there, um, out in the gallops, etc. Went back to, to Paul's house and, and chatted through an awful lot of horses. Um, all the all the obvious ones, but plenty of not-so-obvious ones, too. Um, some really interesting recruits um, from various channels, and I think there, there's an awful lot in it. You know what Paul's like, Paul's brilliant with this sort of stuff. You know, he's very yeah. giving with his thoughts. You know, he, he, he vocalises his thoughts very well. And, yeah, I think it, it'll be definitely be, be worth a watch. You know, if you're, if you're one of those fellas that's sitting on their hands there at the minute, getting jibby at the thought of the national hunt season coming back, I think this will really get you excited. And there's yeah, an awful yeah. lot in it. He's the Ryan Moore of the National Hunt world, is what you're saying. <laughs> just pours out of it. Pours out of his blood. Um, yeah, look, 7 o'clock tonight. Make sure you check it out at 7 o'clock. Just some brilliant information there, as you said. And mark your card for the season ahead. You won't get a better chance uh, to hear the full thoughts of the trainer in his home setting. Right, gentlemen. The pre de de Triomphe, Kev. The biggest shock in 100 years of the running of the race. 139 to 1 SP on the Betfair Exchange. I mean, look, nobody saw this coming. But in fairness to Torquato Tasso, he beat unbelievably good horses who all ran reasonably well. So what to make of it, I don't know. Um, well, look, it was just one of those things. He was, he was an underappreciated horse coming in. He had Group 1 form in the book, albeit in Germany. He'd won a couple of Group 1s. He'd, he'd finished a close second in, in, in one of the better German derbies for many a year um, last year. You know, there, there were you know, German horses on, on testing ground. You know, I know it's, it's a bit of a cliche. But look, it's a great equaliser. When the ground gets as testing as it was yesterday, um, funny things can happen, unexpected things can happen. This was very unexpected. But don't be knocking him and don't be knocking the race because you, you imagine uh, Torquater Tasso had never run and look at the result of the race and we'd all be saying ah look at all the right horses involved in the finish um, you know right good arc because it looked a right good arc beforehand right, but okay, I'll, 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 I'll take the devil's advocate here just for a second right um, and sorry to cut into you here but what I have read online and some of the comments is it's a disgrace running a race of this calibre in a bog at this time of year it should be moved more towards the summer where the ground will be better and give all the best fastest horses the best possible chance of winning do you accept that argument? 
Not really, not really. Why? Look at if you're starting. Well, look, it's always been in that slot, and it's not often we oh, get around sure, this Kev, testing. Kev, Kev, you're the first. We've, you're the first person to give out about tradition and history for the sake of it. Like you know what the cannon is all that. Just because it's always been in that slot doesn't mean it's the best slot for the race. Though. Ah, but it's but it's recency bias, though, isn't it? The last two years have been have been very heavy ground, which isn't yeah. ideal, clearly. But it, it has. It's not always the case. Um, and look, if you're starting from scratch, maybe it'll be better you know, at the end of August, beginning of September, something like that. But look, it's France. You're, you have a fair chance of getting heavy ground then as well. And you've also messed up the whole, the whole European racing program by sticking it in there. Um, so look, it, it's, it's rarely an issue. I say rarely. Um, mm. And look, it, it is what it is. Look, and, you know, it's, uh, I think all, all the main horses came to the fore. You know, yeah. Are Nick? Are Nick? Are Nick? Are Nick? Are people talking out of their pockets by by blaming the ground on there because of the, the hundred and thirty nine to one winner of the of the arc? Do you think that's the reason behind some of this complaining? I think there's I think there's a lot in this. I think there's a lot of sort of dimensions because I, I can't think of um, in recent times a Prix de la Triomphe with the build up it's had when you haven't got an enable or a Trev looking for um, looking for a second or third win or whatever in the race. Um, yeah, I can see why people are a bit kind of, you know, we had heavy ground last year, heavy ground this year. But I did take a look and in the last 10 years, it was good in 2018. It was good at Sean T in 2016, 2015, 2014, 2011. It was officially good ground. And I looked, listen, I've obviously had time on my hands this morning because I looked at the forecast of Paris over the next week and a half. And it's sunny and 17 degrees, you know, as we head on mm. into October. Typical. Yeah. yeah. Whoever's there, just enjoy the Parisian sun, lads. Keep, a, you know, keep going. Um I will say that, you, as Kev said, you'd have to rip up the European pattern book and effectively start again. But this is the date. It's the first Sunday in October. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what the ground was, but it didn't stop Dancing Brave winning it and see the stars and all those great horses because it's the end of season turf target highlight. Yeah, I mean, we've had a couple of anomalies with the weather in recent times. But as I said, four or five of them in the last 10 years have been good ground. We can go down the route of climate change if we want. But um, yeah, there might be a bit of recency going on. So that, I'd, I'd, say ta- I'd say tear up the turf track at Perry Longchamp and put down a nice poly track. We wouldn't have any yes. worries like this at Good all, idea. would we? Good idea. Great <laughs> idea. What about, the, what about the old breeding Kev here? I mean, like, you know, you talk about the money that's been banded around, particularly with the sales, you know, over the last couple of weeks as well. Some of the figures have been fairly eye-watering. But yesterday's arc winner cost 24000 as a yearling and is by a stallion who stood for five and a half grand at conception. So the whole bloodstock industry, you can rip that up as well and throw it out, throw it out with the bathwater. Uh, you say that now, but look, I, I have a great grow for the for the German breeding industry. Like they, they, the history of them, they just they do an amazing job, and like they produce so many very, very good horses. And it, I think it's always a surprise to people that aren't familiar with the situation. Like it's actually very small. Like they have less than a thousand mm, folds in Germany every year. You know, we we you know we've you know ten thousand in Ireland there thereabouts. You know, um, every year. So it's 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 small. But by God, they get results and they, they do a lot of things now that I think um, should maybe be adopted elsewhere. Like they, they actually set a very high standard of what's allowed stand there as a stallion. Like if, if a horse has broken blood vessels or, or been given Lasix at any stage in their career, they're not allowed to stand there, full stop. Um, or they can stand there, but they don't get to avail of, you know, a, a set of premiums that basically make it completely unviable to, to ever stand there. So they're effectively barred from, from standing there. 
And um, and look, the, the the bloodlines are you know they, they show up all over the world. You know, there's been German bred Melbourne Cup winners there in recent years, and um, we've had Arc winners in the past, of course. And they they just they just pop up, and German families are are brought into the Irish and British uh, and French breeding systems because they're valued for their soundness, their toughness, um, their their stamina, etc. So it would and German racing isn't in a fabulous spot at the minute. Like their prize money. Mm isn't competitive you know compared to uh you know stakes racing in in britain and ireland and france so there, there may be on a bit of a low bar at the minute so it would give everyone in germany german racing such a boost for this to happen for them to win the arc yeah. um so from that point of view i was absolutely thrilled with them look we, we don't know a whole lot about the trainer and jockey um you know the uh, the trainer in particular you know has been described um perhaps slightly unfairly as a rookie trainer but it's not a million miles off the mark um so you know we, we've seen completely unfamiliar faces um put on the pedestal of the biggest race in europe um, which is which is never a bad thing uh, look it was completely unexpected i think we a lot of us would agree to the result with uh, with open mouths i know there were some there were some good judges had this horse picked out uh, the hat tip to to maddie playle on uh, from the racing post yeah. in fairness to her she uh, she stuck it up on twitter a few days ago i saw um, that yeah so you have to you'll, you'll take your hat off there and others as well i'm sure but um look you you can make a case for the winner look it takes a bit of creativity etc he did he did run well behind alpinista uh, on his penultimate start when things didn't go entirely to plan he won a group one since but you know he definitely has improved here to get the job done and you know there's plenty to pick through in the beaten horses it was a fascinating race tactically you know there was no pacemakers the, the overall pace was on the steady side it ended up being a fast finish for the conditions and that would have suited some not suited others um interesting to hear dermot wild mention afterwards that he felt if the rain hadn't come the turn hour would have won um you know she clearly handles this type of ground but it's in it was an interesting view for dermot to give hurricane lane had a bit of a messy run now had to wait for open running which open air which wouldn't have suited him you wouldn't have think with his overall profile but he's run very well at AR, probably too free um you know got up in the front end off a steady pace and took a while to settle um, looked in charge and got tired you can pick your way through all the back of them there's plenty of good runs in behind but uh, i wouldn't dare throw a stone at, at the at the winner I think this was yeah, a legitimate yeah. win. It was unexpected. It was an improvement, but it was legitimate in my mind. And um, hats off to all concerned. Yeah, well, I mean, in fairness, and a hat tip to Maddie, that's fine, but nobody else. I mean, 400 episodes of Matlock would have made a case for this lad to win the race. You know what I mean? Lionel, Lionel Hutz wouldn't have made a case for this lad to win the race before the race went off. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, well done, Maddie, but I think she literally was the only person on the planet who thought this horse had a chance to win. So, look, there you go. Take nothing away. Them came out of the woodwork yesterday. You know, oh, they like, always the do. They always do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the um, best. The slips, oh. it, just on the breeding side of things, um, it's a bit of a cruel bit of timing in a way. I mean, brilliant in certain ways that Germany have got the arc winner 10 years since the last one. But <laughs> all the stallion died in April, didn't he? <laughs> and those, I read, oh. Yeah, I read an article in January at the time. I was saying, oh, look, they were, they were really excited. They got the best book of mares to go to Alderflug because at this point, he'd already sired in Swoop, who had beaten this fella last year and, and finished a neck second to Sotsas in the arc last year. Um, there was loads of focus on the fact that Alain Kerr, a son of yeah. uh, Alderflug, was going to really relish it, but it turned out to, it was the other one. So, yeah, really um, sad bit of timing in a lot of ways. Yeah. A great tribute to the stallion, but um, it's a shame for all connected to him that he's not around now. Uh, Breeders Cup turf for Turnawa, Kev, do you think, next? I mean, she ran a cracker. Um, I, I did back her myself, so I'm a, a little bit... 
uh, miffed that she didn't quite do Oy. it, but she ran a cracker. And Dermot Weld said, "Look, she did everything she was supposed to do, and um, just got beaten, obviously, on the day." But Breeders' Cup turf next, do you think? It was a weird drift, wasn't it? She was very weak in the betting all day. Very, she very was, weak. Yeah, was, yeah. Weird. I couldn't really figure that out, but hey-ho. Um, yeah, it sounds like she's going to go to the Breeders' Cup for what will be, one assumes, her last run. Um, I think it was a pleasant surprise to everyone that she was put back in training as a five-year-old. That's very unusual for the Aga Khan to do with a with a tip-top filly slash mare. Um, so that'll be her last spin out. Look, we saw how effective she was on fast ground over there last year. So she'd go there with a big, big chance. We'll see what turns up against her. But yeah. whatever does, um, she's going to be a leading fancy there. Uh, and look, I think the race went pretty smoothly for her considering she missed the kick from a good gate and had a wall of horses in front of her. Like, I feel she got a pretty smooth through passage through, considering, and, like, the winner, ultimately, in fairness to him, like, he was well on top of them all at the line. Like, he, his stamina really kicked in late on. So, for all that, it's always frustrating to finish second. I don't know if there'll be too many regrets or, 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 or sourness about it on the day. You know, the, you can you can talk about the rain, etc. for her, but I think the once they jump from the gates... To, to get into the winning post, I think she had a fair shot. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. What about um, um, Jean-Luc? Sorry, yeah, before we, we, we move on, I, I just did you any of you see Christophe Sumiel's jockey cam on Tanawa? No, yes, amazing, 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 oh, amazing. Man, you've got to see him cut oh, through and he's got chronogenesis on his outside and he's got ADR and he's going to get past on the end. I, I could only watch it twice because it gave me such a headache, I mean, with the kind of the motion <laughs> sickness element of it. But yeah. um, there's loads, by the way, to pick out this arc, isn't there? I mean, the French directors thought the fifth had won, didn't they? They cut to Sealyway at the end and I thought, oh, Christ, have I got that oh, wrong? Um, hopefully yeah. the Godolphin boys, Hurricane Lane and ADR stay in training as well. Um, personally, I mean, if you take the view, Dermot Wells' idea that, yes, the ground, had the rain not come to Nile, would have had a better chance. I think Adayar would have as well. So um, as a backer in the forecast of Adayar and Chronogenesis at the top of the home straight, they were first and second. I was like, stop the fight. That didn't happen. Mm. Um, and they ended up finishing fourth and seventh. But um, epic race. What about Oshie? That was, was a brave thing to do, wasn't it? Did all Frankie, didn't um, they? Yeah, just, uh, you know, the arc... Biggest stage there is, you know, Japanese runner. Uh, just a very brave thing to do. And there's, there's, it's impossible yeah, to quantify point, whether he gained or, or cost himself by doing it. But um, well, you know, I just, admired, I just, I, I just, <laughs> well, I just admire the bravery. There's very few fellas yeah. would have the stones to do it. You know, Frankie did it and it worked. Um, but it's, uh, to, 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 you know, to try something. And look, you know, I'm sure he believed he was doing the right thing and he had it, he was, I'm sure he was at walking the track, etc. But it's one thing to believe it might be the right thing to do, but to have the stones to go and do it on a stage like that is, is, uh, I, I, I'd admire, I'd admire that. You know, I don't think we see enough, uh, enough creative thinking amongst our chalkies. Most would just be content to follow around the rest and hope for the best. But, um, Oshin tried that in, in the, in an effort to gain an edge. Did he gain one or not? It's, it's hard to say, but, um, you, you admire the initiative well I admire the initiative I'm sure some people would have been throwing stones at the telly when, uh, when, when it started to pan out Did Christoph be on um, camera camera footage say, by the way yeah. there were epic there were some rides on the day and I think we might come to the pre opera a little bit later where a few punters would have been a bit disgruntled by what they saw yesterday so um, but yeah high stakes high pressure is that kind of day isn't it Mm. The Christoph mm. Sumion footage is on the At The Races Twitter feed there if you want to go and have a look at it for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's well worth a look. It's uh, fascinating stuff. Um, what about the Jean-Luc winner, Angel or Angel Bleu from the, um, the 2000 Guineas next year? 16s from 50. Any takers? Any takers at the price? Um, um, he's he's grown up, I'd say. 
He's mm. growing up here. We might see him in the Jewhurst next week, it seems. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> kind of yeah, mad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of mad, but they backed him up very, very quickly um, to, to, to win his penultimate start. What was it? The vintage stakes. Now he backed up like three days later, which is like unprecedented for, for a stakes, you know, stakes class two-year-old. You don't see that very often. Um, and now they might look for a quick backup again. Um, but it, to me, in fairness, I, I was impressed with him because he looked, he looked very good at times, but he looked tricky. Um, he looked a work in progress that could go wrong. He, he tends to be quite free and he, he'd hang under pressure and do, do things wrong. But he, he did things very right here. He got a good ride now, but he, he did things very right. Um, and now that he seems to be channeling it in all the right direction, I'd say there could be even more to come from him. So, yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sleeping in Angel Blue now. I think he's a good horse. Mm. Nick? I, I was just going to say on, on Kev's point, uh, I had a quick look earlier. Holy Roman Emperor, he won the Lagardere and then got beat ahead by Tiafilo, but the gap was 13 days. This will only be six, so uh, different thing altogether. Okay. I will say, by the way, the betting, the, there was only about half a point separating the first six in the market yesterday. Yeah. That. <laughs> it was extraordinary. Um, so, so open. But yeah, as, as Kev said, you know, they, they did that. They ran him on King George Day at Ascot and then went and won the vintage Tuesday the next week. So he can turn around off a... A bit of an absence. Um, I was there at Salisbury when this horse won his first ever race back in April on quick ground, by the way. And on the day, made a case for the second favourite, who is still a maiden, rated 82. Of, I'm sure she's a good filly, but uh, called Banana. So uh, shows how much six months can change things. I mean, if they shows how bananas you are on a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a judge. Um, if, I mean, if they go to the Jewhurst Fair Play. We'll see what, you know, we're going to get a little bit better of an idea. Um, They'll be buoyed by the fact that this horse can bounce off quick breaks, but he's obviously got a bit of courage about him as well. Frank Dettori did the right thing on him, galvanised him. Um, I'd love to see another bit of ancient Rome. Um, I think he's going to materialise into a really good horse. Uh, again, maybe the ride, I don't know. But um, there'll be a few. For all that it looked very, very open on paper, I'd, I'd be quite keen to stick with a few of them. I think the Godolphin second as well. Charlie Appleby just year on year is shuffling the pack and he's got some very, very good two-year-olds again. Um, Holly Doyle must have been gritted teeth uh, celebrating as Trushan managed to beat Stradivarius um, what's the plan for my old bumper hero now Kev do you think Stradivarius will he retire <laughs> what would they do with him but Trushan as well looks a, a right good one uh, Trushan's deadly looking Trushan's looked deadly for quite some time um, they just had to be very patient with him with, with the ground conditions um, I, I was really impressed with him at Goodwood in a race that re didn't really go to plan at all for him and he still managed to win um, and he was very good here, you know, proved his stamina, um, you know, with a view to hopefully seeing him at some stage in a Gold Cup at Royal Ascot, um, if the ground is ever easy enough for him to do so. Um, he very much improved, uh, proved his stamina um, here. It was very good. Stradivarius ran a good race again. Um, look, he's clearly not quite the horse he was. It's not, it's not like he's running terrible, but he's just not quite the horse he was. Um, and his connections have said they don't want necessarily to keep going if he's not going to be at his very close to his very best. They don't want him to be the, the punch drunk, punch drunk boxer. Um, continuing on a little bit too long. But look, if it's me, and I said the same about Batash, um, if I own this horse, if I was lucky enough to own this incredible horse, what I'm doing here is I'm saying, lads, we're going to run him on Champions Day at Ascot, and that's it. We'll retire him there. 
come out, show your appreciation for him. We'll give him a great send off whether he wins or finishes last. And that'll be his last day out. And that'll be the way I'd like to do it because it gives people the chance to go away, go, go there and know what they're seeing. Know it's going to be the last time they see him. Show the horse, I know the horse doesn't know what's going on, obviously. But show the connections um, that they appreciate the horse. And, and there's a lot to appreciate with this fella for all that Hugh hates him, etc. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've done a great job oh, to keep him. Back up the truck there. Back up the truck. <laughs> Throw hey, darts at the poor hey, horse. Hey, Throw hey, darts hey, at him. How could you? How could? How could anybody hate a horse? I certainly don't. Hate Jesus, him, I, like, I don't know. Like, you know San, <laughs> Santini, I, I, I hate Santini, but he's a different kind of fish altogether, right? But like, you know, I, I just, yeah, no, I'm only messing. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'd be great because look, they, they've done some job with this horse. Like, it, yeah. like it, his owner has kept him in training year after year. When you know, very few owners would have kept him going as long as they have and we've had some marvellous days but that, that battle he had in the Lonsdale Cup this year was just tremendous you know clearly not not, not the horse he quite was but his um, his attitude is still tip top and, and that, that was a special day he subsequently won at Doncaster in great style but look if they want to and I'm not saying they have to retire him this year it'd be great to see him back but if they do think right maybe he's done enough um, I'd love to see him given a proper send off at Ascot. I know they've wheeled out Batash there and York and canting him down the track, probably yeah. full of settling. Um, but it's just, I think it's nice to, 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 to see them off in a race, you know, and see what happens. Um, let everyone know what, what your plan is beforehand and everyone can appreciate it. That's the way I do it, but that's just me. What do you think, Nick? Uh, first up, we finally got the match up. It didn't happen at Goodwood, York or Donny, but it did happen. Stradivarius was, well, he was going to be put in his place by uh, Trushan over there on that kind of ground, that kind of staying trip. The winner's brilliant and we'll probably go to Ascot as well, try and win that race again. I don't think it will be the race for Stradivarius to go to Ascot, but what's, I don't think there's anything left for him um, this season otherwise. Um, he does have a career at stud to go to potentially, so we'll see how that goes. But um, I don't suppose they're going to keep him out around as an eight-year-old. At his own level, he's put up some epic performances this year at York and at Donny where he hacked up. So as soon as he's gone, he deserves a fair old send-off. Look, John Gosden has always said about this horse, he, he kicks and bucks and, and shouts at other strings on the gallops at home, so they'll know him better than anyone else. And presumably, as and when the time that stops, then, um, then they'll, they'll draw stumps. But other than Ascot, I can't think there's an awful lot left for him at the end of the season. Okay, a couple of other um, results from the weekend to talk about uh, before we move on. Jen Saffron Beach as well. Jane Chapelheim, um, brilliant win for her, obviously, in the Sun Chariot. And Saffron Beach was a really, really convincing winner here. Like, absolutely powered away. Either of you. Yeah, abso- absolutely. Um, and look, uh, you know, the story is an obvious one here. Um, you know, first group one winner for Jane Chapelheim. Um, really, uh, well, uh, each to their own. I find her a really likable character. Um, you know, she got a real kick out of it. It happened in Newmarket, you know, where she's based. And now, uh, in fairness to this filly, like she's been dancing away all season in all the tip top events. Like, we, you know, she, she, did, she didn't just run in the 1000 guineas. You know, she ran in the trial. She ran the Nell Gwen back in the middle of April. Lads. That's a long time ago um, so to keep her sweet and her last her best two runs of the season have probably been her last two you know certainly uh, on Saturday but even before that she won the the uh, the what's it called the Atalanta stakes Atalanta, at Sandown, yeah. so like Jane's done a fantastic job with this filly and um, by New Bay, you know Sire really on the up and like you say, Hugh, she she fairly well bolted up. Um, mm. You know Mother Earth um, had had got the better of her earlier in the season, and um, she was maybe a shade flat on the day I thought, but um, stayed on to finish second. But no doubt about the winner, Saffron Beach. Um, now you you might have had your ear to the ground better than me, Nick. There was chat that she's back next season, or did I did I misinterpret? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's still even an option of the QE2 Challenge Cup over at Keeneland, but that's only a couple of weeks away. I think this is one of the training performances of the season. I don't mind getting chucked out for, for saying that, but she was so flat when she ran in the Falmouth. But there's something about the Roly Mar course and that filly, which is just a marriage made in heaven. You know, she broke her maiden there. She won a no so sharp, second in the Nell Gwynn, second in the Giddies, and she's now won the Sun Chariot. To, to get her back and give her that confidence booster at Sandown. And by the way, speaking to Jane Chappelheim that day, they, they did think about going back to 10 furlongs and having a go at the opera, but surely the allure of keeping her at a track. Um, she does so well at a Philly's only one mile group one at, back in October when she's clearly at, she thrives at this point of the year. I think that's fantastic. Um, I think it's a brilliant training uh, performance. Credit to all involved as well, because she could have, you know, she could have disappeared a bit when they tried to make her into an Oaks Philly and then it didn't go away in the Falmouth Stakes. But she's come back better than ever. Um, I hope she sticks around next year. Uh, she's a terrific Philly. And yeah, Jane Chappelheim eminently likeable has been around a good while it's had some good horses you always know it's her horses because they've got the white bridle on um and yeah congratulations to all connected i was a mother earth backer but you know sometimes you've got to take it on the chin and you've been beaten by a good one there i have to admit lads i had severe severe remorse and regret for not absolutely piling to hook them as i watched them absolutely bolt in but i was looking at race before going like what do you read into his last run what is it? and then i was looking at the price I was going okay anyway he was absolutely brilliant <laughs> and i didn't have a red cent on him <laughs> uh, yeah he, he was deadly in fairness he's up like he's got an awful lot of talent this horse now i know even going back to last year um, going into the ledger, I ended up going with him for the ledger, but it's just the, the big concern for me was this was the stamina because he he's like he's always looked pacey to me, and look clearly he does stay a mile six, but I just he's always looked pacey to me, and he, it was great to see him show it here. Maybe he needs soft ground to really show um, the fullness of what he can do uh, because he's always lifted his knee a bit, but um, he was very very good here, career best. Um, like they haven't run him in a group one all season. Um, so what they do next will be interesting um, they, they'd love to get him out again I'm sure on the softer ground again Nick might be more um, up to date on the on the, the plans etc um, is, that, is that the case I mean, I'm I sure know, a full brother to Baij you, you probably know what he had for breakfast this morning yeah, apparently, apparently he's got a brother yeah um, all I was saying is, <laughs> can I just backtrack slightly mate um, you were with him for the ledger and yet presumably you'd have looked at the ledger winner in the eye every day of the week or something I don't like I don't like going for those horses if they, if they win oh, I get fine. enough pleasure out of it <laughs> oh, fine um, yeah no you I think um, Owen Burris had said he fancied this might be it for the season but they might have to reevaluate going abroad and they've talked about Hong Kong if he gets an invitation a Shima Classic and just to backtrack ever so slightly not even going to mention his brother um, we were talking about Shadwell and the cutting back a bit um, you know horses like this if they can go out and do the, the world stage thing and go to the Far East and go to the Middle East and, and show the blue and white striped cap to the best effect and, and win big races like this fella could do maybe um, that would be a shot in the arm for that connection uh, for that, that, mm. that operation um, and at a time when hopefully, well, they are going to be cutting things back a bit. They do need a few stars to go out there and, and win on the world stage. So <laughs> yeah. hopefully Hookham would have done the world of good. Quick word as well before we wrap up the racing. Ada McGuinness as well. First group one for himself, for Ronan Whelan, for the whole yard as well. Absolutely massive, Kev. A case of you. It uh, was brilliant. Um, just about on the line got up. But yeah, I mean, look, for Ada McGuinness and all the team, it's massive. Yeah, stop desperate stuff. And look, look, Ado's been doing it. Ado's been training for as, as long as I've been knocking around racing. You know, he's not, he's far from a newcomer, but they've really surged on to, to new heights in recent years. Um, his assistant there, Stephen Torrance, a very clever fella too. And, um, and this represented just, just a massive win for them. 
um, all involved in their team. You know, this this has always looked a good horse for, from early stages, and it just you know he he runs so well in the flying five. You know, and you wonder is that a bit is that a bit of an aberration? Is that really him? And then of course he goes and backs it up and more here. Um, all got a little bit desperate late on. But he handled the ground really well. You know, a mile clear to third. <laughs> a mile clear to third. And he got there literally in the last stride. Um, and as well as Edo, have to say absolutely delighted for Rona Whelan. Um, absolute gem of a fella. Um, you know, has been, you know, when he, when he first came on the scene, you might remember, like, he was he was, he was was the rising apprentice. And unfortunately, as is sometimes the case, he went a little bit quiet for a while, but he's really established himself in, you know, in Ireland, which is one of the most competitive environments, I would argue, anywhere in the world for a jockey. And Roland's mm. banging away there and making a good living and getting um, getting some stakes winners in the bag. And to get this group one now, I know it would mean a huge amount to him as well. Before we get to listener questions, we should mention Aidan O'Brien's interview with uh, Richie Forrester in the Racing Post um, at the weekend. It was strong stuff, Kevin, uh, from Aidan. You know, it was an impassioned defence, I guess, at some of the allegations that have been thrown uh, racing's way from Jim Bulger around doping, some pieces that obviously have been written by uh, Paul Kimmage, uh, David Walsh in particular. Uh, but Aidan O'Brien has come out fighting this weekend. I thought it was uh, quite a good interview by Richie. Yeah, it was great stuff now. Very strong interview and on a number of fronts. Like it was very interesting the, the whole way through um, on the drug issues. You know, it was very strong. There was, there was some uh, new information in there as well with regard to some of the controversy around Anthony Van Dyke. Um, some yeah. very relevant information there about the, the role of the Australian vets. Um, given that when that uh, investigation played out, they were, seemed to be doing everything they could to absolve themselves of any blame. But there you go. Mm. Um, and then I suppose the the... The Jim Bulger's comments and the the you know the Kimmage articles etc. I thought I thought it was all quite strong from him, you know. Um, and he moved on to the interference issue, which you know everyone knows. I feel very strongly about. Naden has been on the record a, a number of times about it over the years too, and. Um, you know, it's unusual for a trainer to come out and say what he said there about Shane Foley and indeed his own jockey, Ryan Moore. You know, he said Ryan should have got a week for his ride on, on St. Mark's Basilica and Shane should have got a month for his ride um, mm. on No Speak Alexander. So it was very strong stuff, very punchy stuff. Not necessarily what we're associated from seeing from Aiden in, in print and in, in interviews. I suppose those that know him knows that he, he does have strong opinions, but he, he can be quite um, coy in public. So it was it was great to see it. It was a strong interview. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, you'd, you'd love to see loads more of it from not just Aiden, more, but from, uh, for, from all our top trainers yeah, and top please. jockeys. Tell us what you're thinking. Thought, Speak your mind. Throw it out there. I, I thought it was really... I've read it, I've read it through again this morning because, it, I mean, I found some of it... So, I've written down a couple of the quotes, but I found it so reassuring in a way. Not reassuring, but kind of just a bit refreshing that... I I know that they're not. Of course, they're, they're they are still everyday people. But they, the perception of Ballydore being this insular, like slightly closed off. But when the the bit about social media was put to him, he's like, yeah, of course we we are aware of what's being said. And and he's turned around. and He said, I'm all for things to be written and discussed, but I don't try to or don't try to expose stuff that's not there. And we've always operated in such a way that would stand up to scrutiny any anywhere in the world. It was really really punchy, direct stuff. Mm. And not necessarily what you'd always associate, or what you'd associate at all with Aidan O'Brien and Bally Doyle. So, yeah, that took a couple of reads. I enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. You come at me, you best not miss. And Aidan O'Brien has certainly uh, has certainly responded to some of the criticism. Right, before we get into the question questions, Nick's 30-second news round. Nick, do we need a theme tune for this? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go. 30 um, second no, news. I think there's, a, like, there's so much going on. Like a few little bullet points. Look, Frankie lights up Bellistown in the week. Everyone yeah. loves that. Then it rained. It rained. It rained. Um, if you missed it, go and have a look at Sunray Major at Ascot on Friday. That's a group horse and a handicap. William Haggis has had eight winners just about everywhere across the world on Saturday. Real world wins again, but our mate Marco Gianni wasn't aboard. Andre Fab takes out one of the best fillies he claims he's ever had in the Boussac, but he still wins it. What happened to Aldaria in the opera and Japan? They still can't win the arc. There you are. The Frankie thing was fantastic. I honestly God, how how much must have be he been terrified going out on that ride? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, know, we know why he was there you know he obviously very very close to apparently Curly that was the date the thing was fixed for but you, you can only imagine the sheer extent to which Frankie really didn't want to be riding the Bellastown a few days before the oh. act meeting yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, he was brilliant he was brilliant, he was brilliant. oh it was he fabulous was the, the, you know uh, not quite the locals but it's just an, uh, well, locals obviously but I think there was a huge turnout for, from as many people yeah. that, that could get there you know it was it, you wish it was um circumstances where they could have flung the gates open and and the whole world could have come in because they would have, they would have packed it out it was just such a treat and then to get the result you know it's fairy tale stuff um yeah. there was a, i think i think david jennings wrote an article in the race and post a while back that had a really surprising stat in it now i'm hoping i'm misquoting it now but it was something along the lines of frankie has only ever ridden at like five tracks in ireland like a really right. small number. Now it's six, but I, and I hope I'm not misquoting. I think I'm certainly in the right neck of the woods, but it was way less mm. than you'd think. Um, and he was dead. They brought they wheeled them out in Killarney there a couple of years ago, and it yeah. was brilliant again. And yeah, you almost wonder should these lads be taking on uh, taking on you know tours around the country to to, mm. to ride out and uh, you know make a few bob along the way too. I know to that's the way the world works, but it would be fantastic um, because Frankie. He is different, isn't he? He just brings an extra awesome, level. Yeah. Um, it brings an extra level of excitement. And uh, I know, I'm sure, I wish I was there myself. I was stuck at the sales. I couldn't go, but um, yeah. it just seemed a really exciting occasion to, to be there. Brilliant stuff, lads. We'll get into the list of questions uh, for Wade in today. Ed Johnson said, it is satisfactory. We've kind of already dealt with this. Ed Johnson says, is it satisfactory to run arguably the world's greatest flat race in October in a bog? Yet again, the ground was Bristol to my away from Haydock in November. Um, I guess we've already dealt with this. You guys, you you guys are not returning. (laughs) He might have, you know, he might have. Um, Gaz Buckley says, um, the numbers on screen, track position and provisional result on screen so quickly is so useful for TV. Can't ITV Racing adopt this for all races if it's trying to appeal to a wider audience? What do you think, Nick? Um, I don't really know what, I don't know what their provider is. Um, I know that obviously Achille are over in France. Some people might turn around and say it's too busy and there's lots going on. I know that in Dubai with the, the timeline service we use, you can get the provisional result up, bang, 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 first, second, third, pretty damn quick. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what the, the backup is or what the, what the system is for ITV. Um, I can see why people would love it, you know, in certain big handicaps and say the Stewards Cup, etc. The technological facilities to be able to say, look, there's your first, second, third, fourth provisional results coming through. But um, actually, in fairness to Akidia, if I said that it's busy, they're, they're so high tech, you can watch it with or without graphics. Um, in this day and age, anything to enhance personal viewer pleasure, then yeah, so be it. Um, it's not a, a technological question I can answer off the top of my head. Yeah, but, um, that's fine. I can see why people like it. 
Okay, good stuff. Paul Williams says, should the Coolmore lads pay a visit to the Oktoberfest and pick up a few stallions? Well, I tell you what, if you picked up a stallion at Oktoberfest, Paul, your horse wouldn't be running in straight lines for about six years. I can tell you that much, right? As somebody who's been to several Oktoberfests, uh, oh. brilliant, brilliant fun, but uh, my God, that beard nearly kill you. I tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but hey, funny, funny enough, uh, Coolmore did buy uh, in swoop. He's going to be standing as a National Hunt Sire for them oh, next right. season, uh, uh, who had been running against the Ark winner and beating him, and he's by the same sire, um, Adler Fluke. So there you go. <laughs> in, uh, tweeted in jest, I'm sure, but there you go. <laughs> there you go. Alex um, says, do you think Charlie Appleby should employ a pacemaker for Hurricane Lane? His best performance came when a horse made the running. I think that he was... Uh, there was a horse that went quicker pace at the beginning of the arc where I don't think he would have got in trouble around two or three furlongs out so pacemaker for Hurricane Lane is it um, I guess it's a lot of money to enter a pacemaker isn't it but I'll tell you what we're missing pacemakers uh, we are missing pacemakers in, in top class European flat racing this year because Bally Doyle aren't really running them they're pretty much not running them at all and we didn't have any pacemaker as such in the race yesterday and I'm sorry lads I've been saying it for years you miss them when they're gone People moan about them and cry about them and you get Australians and all oh, oh, rules don't even allow them. But um, you miss them when they're not there. You know, we want to find out what the best horse is and pacemakers help that process in a big way. And uh, I, I know I certainly have missed them all season. Um, I don't know if it was a kind of a deliberate move from, from Bally Doyle not to run them or they felt they didn't need them for their big horses. Um, but oh, I hope they come back because I, I think what they play that? an important role. What was that? It was year, oh, it must be 10, 15 years ago now. The pacemaker that caused all that issue when the Jumont International was run at Newmarket, Red Rock Canyon. That's what his name was. And he was the best mm. bred pacemaker. And he came off the rail and blocked the others in behind. And Duke of Marmalade went through and won his 98th Group 1 that season or whatever it was. And it caused uproar. I suppose. Oh, they had the inquiry. About, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you well, now that's about, another uh, thing now. We, 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 yeah, we yeah, won't condone team tactics, but, but pacemaking um, can, can be a function independent of that. You know, you go and you set uh, a better than even pace and everyone benefits. You know, I, I think. I, it, I suppose that. The way they'd look at it is the last horse we thought was a pacemaker in the derby went and won it, wasn't it? It was certified. He still come back. So. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. sovereign, of course. You know, yeah, we, yeah, saw few, we saw a few examples of it in, re- mm. in recent years, but yeah. um, I, I miss him. But that's just me. Okay, Gilmore says, um, "Who ultimately is responsible for the promotion of racing, and under what metrics are they held mm. accountable?" It's by, well, it's the BHA ultimately in England and the HRI in Ireland, yeah. right? Well, they've got um, the, the BHA have got their marketing arm, which is Great British Racing, uh, which has been around, what, 10, 15 years or so and part of the Champion Series, etc. And, you know, they made it clear that their aim is to grow interest in horse racing via attendances on race days, but also by the television. And um, I, I know that they're across everything, the, the sort of race day experience, the ownership experience. They are part of the BHA. They're based at High Holborn. Um, if you were to compare it, say, to something like the the, the setup of the hundred in cricket, their budget would be an absolute fraction of that. So, I think they do the absolute best with what they can work for, what what they can work with, um, annual budget wise. Um, but they are answerable, and um, mm. yeah, they're answerable to the BHA. So it's part of the same arm. Okay, okay, good stuff. Um, Chris Graham says, think we could do with three or four furlong races 
or a three mile flat race to mix it up a bit. Chris, a three mile flat race for the love of Christ, I'm getting nothing worse. Hold on, lads, don't retire Stradivarius yet. (laughs) (laughs) It might even suit Santini. Price it up, lads. Santini versus Stradivarius over three miles. We've absolutely (laughs) talked about the three or four furlong ones, haven't we, Kev? Where I said I'd love it as well. Three and a half furlongs around a bend. I'd love it. I mean, you know, if you're. I don't know about around the bend, but someone tell me why. Why don't we do it? Why don't we run a four furlong race? Why don't we run a three furlong race? Yeah. I'm not saying run them every week, lads, but for a bit of a novelty, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. There's no reason yeah, yeah. why. When you think I'm of the, sure the fast yeah. early horses we talk about, you know, I know El Astronaut and, and Caspian Prince has been retired, but we talked about horses like that that are literally jump and run merchants. It would be some spectacle. It'd be a great spectacle. Three or four furlongs, they're waning, but it doesn't matter because the line's coming. Yeah, yeah well, just, just do it. You only have to do it once a year. You know, I don't care. Well. I don't care what, how many short races they do. Just never, ever, ever <laughs> put a three mile flat race anywhere near. <laughs> that, ever. Be a tough watch. <laughs> <laughs> round and round. Right. And round. Um, okay. Last three questions then. Ronnie says, Kevin Blake is trying to get a. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Kevin Blake, Counter I'm trying to get a copy of your of your book on punting. How can I get a copy of the PDF version? I hope you can help me with that. Keep up the great job. You're doing for oh, racing Jesus. in Ireland. Stay safe. Have you got a PDF of your book on how uh, to money, the- Kevin? The ebook, the ebook version is still available, would you believe, on Amazon? Okay. So there you go. Okay. Feel feels horrifically out of date and a million years ago now. Yeah. But if you want it, you can go get it. Yeah, Ronnie, if you want, if you have too much money and you're looking for something to waste it on, you can go and pick it up on Amazon. <laughs> uh, the Inside Rail says uh, thoughts on Ivan Furtado gamble at Kempton during the week. It didn't sit right with me as regards to Susie getting jocked up on the other horse so late in the day. What happened here, Kev? Um, two runners, same yard. Uh, you know, a very clear apparent first string on jockey bookings, very clear second string. Uh, the What seemed to be the very clear second string was very heavily backed all day um, to the point where a number of, uh, I suppose, cynic, cynical individuals or maybe not so cynical in this case from the betting industry were opining on social media. I wonder, will there be a jockey switch here uh, or might the other one Gosh. come out? And um, yeah, yeah, we, we had a late jockey switch. Um, oh, Sylvester de Souza switched on to the other one, and the gamble was it didn't come off. I think the horse finished third, but I know the rules don't allow such a thing in Ireland. Um, they are they're quite strict on it that you have to swap like with like, kind of pretty much no matter what the circumstances. And there's been some there's been some kind of semi puzzling cases where they refuse to allow jockey switches where they seemed like for like. So they're being they're quite particular about it, um, and it makes perfect sense because if you if you allow. And there's been, there was a number of kids. Oh, now my memory. Where is it? What was the name of the horse? Hanton. Nanton. Was it Hanton? Mark Wallace. This is going down. This might be 20 years ago. I think it's Hanton, lads. It's, it's a horse called Hanton. I'll tell you the story. Um, this horse was running in a cellar first time out at Brighton, right? And was punted off the boards. This is literally nearly 20 years ago. God bless my memory. And now I can't, what was the name? There was an apprentice jockey that had possibly never ridden a winner. 
was jacked up to take the ride and would you believe it by a stroke of bad luck the lad's car broke down and he couldn't oh, get to no. Brighton but would you believe it by a stroke of luck Kieran Fallon was at Brighton lads oh, and he took lads. the ride and he Talk gave it lucky. And, and he gave it an all Ireland ride nobody would have won in this horse he was green as grass I think he lost an iron and he manages to get up and win a neck and land the Campbell oh, it was, it was unbelievable but the, you know the rules shouldn't allow that in all seriousness you know it's common sense you know you swap like would like if you if you know and if you can't um you know tough look i know there wouldn't always be um you know sneaky intentions and so sometimes it might uh might might result in, in a non-runner to sheer bad luck on occasion but they've had that rule in ireland for quite some time you have to swap like would like or else um you're okay. going to be a non-runner lads so Fair enough. If, last if, if, question if you don't have that rule in place uh there's scope for sneakiness Mm, thanks for that the inside rail last question is from Darren Butler who would you consider or would you consider putting Princess Zoe over hurdles I'm sure they have to consider it would they do it uh, they've ruled it out a couple of times before um, look she, she you know she's a group one winner so look it would be fully understandable if you didn't um, maybe she hasn't you know she ran very well at Ascot but look could you do it of course you could um, you know trained by Tony Mullins who would be very familiar with, with with that um with that discipline etc so maybe they consider mm. but look she's a group one winner so it seems highly unlikely to me anyway okay good stuff gents we will leave it there please another reminder Paul Nichols tonight 7 o'clock full national hunt season across all Bedford channels YouTube Twitter Facebook wherever you watch it it'll be live from 7 o'clock with Kevin at Ditchit and it promises to be a fascinating insight into the heat season ahead Chepstow this weekend the national hunt is just around the corner ladies and gentlemen I cannot bloody wait talk to you on Friday Thursday racing only better Talk to you then.